Hello, everybody, and welcome to the About to Interview podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. This show focuses on the interviews I have with actors, directors, authors, and other creators, and is a subsidiary of the About to Review podcast, which covers weekly TV shows, movies, comics, as well as national and international film festivals and conventions. You can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. Make sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Blueberry, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and of course, youtube.com slash abouttoreview. You can visit abouttoreview.threadless.com to buy some swag and merchandise, and head on over to abouttoreview.com to support the show by clicking the support tab, as well as seeing full show notes with all of the links to the guests in the show notes. So now, on to the show. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Vashti Harrison, illustrator, filmmaker, and creator of the new book, Little Leaders, Bold Women in Black History, is joining the show uh, via Skype from Brooklyn. Welcome to the show, Vashti. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Well, so, here. well yeah, there, but here <laughs> on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I'm very excited to talk to you about this. Excellent. So for those people who do not know much about you, so your kind of career started in film as that was the medium for your art that transitioned into illustration, which is what your new book, of course, Little Leaders, Bold Women in Black History has really focused on. What would you say is the first piece of art that you saw that made you want to pick up either a pen, a pencil or a camera? Um, I think as a child, it was always creating things. I don't remember not being an artist. I, like One of my earliest memories is writing stories as a very, very little child. Mm-hmm. Before I could write, I used to come up with stories, and I remember taking like loose leaf paper and uh, filling it like many, many pages with just, um, just swirls, just loops going throughout the pages, um, and I would take these pages that I'd written to my parents and then read them a whole story. So I think that storytelling awesome. has always been a part of my, my creative process. Um, but for a long time, drawing was like my go-to. And I really think that it must have been a major influence of like late 80s and, and 90s television and movies, definitely like the classic Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's so, it's weird to to kind of uh, pull back and identify a particular piece of art that inspired me because it feels like it's been a part of my own um, being for, for such a long time. Um, when I was little, uh, my mom uh, was an echo technician, um, so she used to do ultrasounds on people's hearts. And so mm. the technology at the time was analog, so she would uh, push this cart around the hospital and it 
it took VHS tapes and it's just you would record everyone's echocardiograms to a VHS tape and you could print out a picture from oh, it. Oh, cool. So she used to let me come. When I visited her at the hospital, um, I could pop my VHS tape of Pocahontas in there and print out <laughs> pictures of, of all the characters. And so I used to practice drawing like Pocahontas and her friends. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely think that like the classic Disney style was a, a huge influencer when I was a kid. But um, as a as like a teenager and even through early college, I was really just interested in like representational like painting and drawing. And for me, I wasn't really expressing myself very much through that. I was just like representing things and it didn't feel like art to me. So things really shifted when I really fell into filmmaking. It mm -hmm. was this whole completely new process of understanding um, image making and storytelling through the collage and montage of images. Like it, something finally clicked when I realized like, oh, this is how you make meaning, or at least this is how I can make meaning by the combination and the juxtaposition of two images next to one another. Um, so, um, you know, I was really influenced early in the days of, I mean, God, I took so many film classes. It's hard to say like <laughs> one film, right. but um, I remember really feeling um, just really inspired when I was watching like the Soviet films, like, you know, the Battleship Potemkin, like none of that is like I said, none of it like conceptually was anything that I was super attracted to. But, you know, the just the study of like the Kuleshev effect and it's like, oh, wow, this is this is what I was missing out on. Mm -hmm. And so it, I think it was a lot of um, I think it I it was really important for me to to have that that study and that time of really focusing on cinema to to take me a couple of years later um, when I was in film school, I went to California Institute of the Arts for for to get my MFA in film, and that's that school is famous for being like the Disney School of Animation. So mm. I just took some drawing classes there for fun um, because you know it's a famous animation program. Right? Why but, would you not? And, <laughs> and there's no way I would have gotten into that program otherwise. So I just like snuck into those classes, um, but. You know, it was like what looking at the art, like, you know, the, the kind of like Disney style of animation and illustration now is really inspiring. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at artists like Chris Sanders and Brittany Lee and Lorelai Beauvais and thinking like, oh, my gosh, these guys are so like the aesthetic is so it's different, but it's just so beautiful. Um, and I think that, um, you know, reentering the world of illustration and drawing with this background knowledge of cinema mm -hmm. um, really, really created this great. Um, new synthesis that I hadn't had before. So I can't say it was one piece of art. I think it was definitely, you know, years of, of studying different types of film and, or different types of art making and image making to really uh, get me to the place I am now, which is like, I feel like, I feel like a like achievement unlocked. I feel like I can <laughs> see this whole new world of, of creating stories and, and images um, in a way that I hadn't seen before. That is awesome. You talked about that juxtaposition you know of working between different mediums and that was something i noticed when i was watching your short films that you have on your website there were mm -hmm. a couple of them where you really played with kind of double exposure you know with the video oh, yeah. where you have multiple layers on that video and that was just really interesting as far as a viewpoint 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, as an experimental filmmaker, the, the whole process for me was was just about pure, just trying out every single possible thing. Mm -hmm. And and that medium of 16 millimeter film, you know, it, it tends to be the experimental filmmakers medium, their go-to medium for trying out um, different ways of, of image making. And, you know, that was just a simple, actually that was like a digital double exposure or one of them. <laughs> I was playing a lot with like in-camera double exposures and mm -hmm. then uh, digital double exposures for me. It's just about, um, the best way to tell the story and I think that I will consider myself like a purely uh, multimedia artist. I will, I, I'm interested in the best medium to tell a single story and I'm, I'm a firm believer that not every story has to be told through cinema, not every story has to be told mm -hmm. through um, children's picture books. Um, so I, I love that I can jump around and you know combine different things and in, in that case I you know took something that you know some people would consider 16 millimeter film or like you know true analog film to be holier than thou and then I just did something <laughs> completely digital with it because right. I thought that it was interesting I wanted to just experiment and that's what I love about making things it's like is for me there are no rules awesome and how would you say the filmmaking side of your career has helped the way that you shape and tell your stories? Um, I really, truly love narrative cinema, and that's a kind of a, a crazy thing that a lot of experimental filmmakers won't say. <laughs> um, it, there's, there tends to be this kind of major divide between narrative cinema and experimental filmmaking, but I truly right. love the structure, and I love a great movie. And uh, for me... There's nothing more beautiful than when um, the narrative falls into place so craftfully. And um, I think that that has informed the way I want to tell stories. I think about, I think about three-act structure no matter what I'm doing. I think about, um, I think about, you know, like plot points and inciting incidents, even, even in something that may be as amorphous as one of these, um, you know, purely experimental pieces, and then something as, you know, seemingly simple as a children's picture book. I'm, it, for me, that is the paradigm that has been stuck in my head for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I, it's, it's kind of uh, the structure that I can go back to and reference and then, you know, veer from when I think it's necessary. So I think that every part of the way I tell, I tell a story kind of stems from learning this kind of structure of, of narrative cinema screenwriting. Awesome. One of the great quotes that you have on your website is, my aesthetic comes from magic. So can you <laughs> tell me a little bit more about that? Um, I feel like I just have a particular way of viewing the world. That's not specific to me. You know, a lot of people will consider it, you know, like a childlike or kind of whimsical way of viewing mm -hmm. the world. I'm just constantly looking for things that are beautiful. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, everyone can see it. Maybe just others may not value it. Because sometimes I can be looking or walking down the street and seeing see the way the light is falling through the trees onto the sidewalk. And it may look as banal to anybody else. But mm -hmm. it's the kind of thing that I will, like... I will file away into my 
into the archives and deep inside my brain and, right. and remember it for when I'm, you know, making an illustration or, you know, I may take a photo with my phone and try to recreate that when I'm working on a film. It's sort of like just, I don't know. I, don't, I think that magic is the only way to describe this way of seeing the beauty in kind of anything. Mm -hmm. I, like one of my, like the, the like most key images that's in my brain is I remember being um, when I lived in LA I had a, a my own bathroom and it, I just stored all of my jewelry in there and I just remember seeing um, everything had fallen down one day oh, and I no. remember seeing just like this pile <laughs> of jewelry in the corner of my bathroom and it was just like the way the light was hitting it the way the colors were sparkling it was just the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen and and no one I don't know anyone else that would have valued it as much as I did but it's the kind of thing that um, you know if you were to just isolate that on its own it could be the most lovely thing and so I I just feel like I have this way to view the world and a way to capture it and hold on to it that and, and I perhaps you know show it to other people you know it's the goal the goal in life <laughs> to help other people see what I see but yeah right. it is I feel like my aesthetic is driven by it and then my my passion is is to to figure out a way to uh, replicate it okay what would you say are kind of the major differences in your process when it comes from when or, or when it goes between making a film versus an illustration or this new book? How do those yeah. processes differ when you have, it sounds like so many things going through your head and so many different ways of wanting to tell stories. So what are those processes like and what are the similarities? Um, at least for my, for my filmmaking, a lot of the films that I make in this kind of experimental documentary format, I, I prefer to go out and shoot and look for these beautiful moments and these beautiful images and capture them and then construct a narrative out of that. Okay. Um, you know, I may go with this idea that I want to uh, tell this folklore, this folktale from Trinidad and Tobago where my family is from, but I prefer to go out and shoot and then um, either before or after sit down and do an interview with someone and just kind of get their visual their own language representation mm -hmm. of of the story and and then construct the the film the piece out of that so it's a little bit more like um uh it's just like a separate kind of process um but if i'm trying to illustrate something i really just have to kind of sit down and think a lot more I feel like as a filmmaker, I've always been like a run and gun kind of person. I really don't love working on big sets. And this is why like I prefer to make these kind of like homemade, very tactile, like diaristic movies because I, mm -hmm. it's a process that I feel like I can take my time with um, in, in the editing room and craft it together. Right. But when I'm out on in location or, you know, if, if, for any reason I have to ask people for help, it's like I have to go very quickly. I really don't like the whole process. Um, but if I'm, if I'm in, in that scenario, I'm capturing the magic. Mm -hmm. And in, in, in the scenario of me illustrating or writing, it's about creating it, and that's a, just a different whole other thing. <laughs> so, uh, 
I end up just being kind of quiet in my mm -hmm. studio and drawing for hours until I can get something just right. But I think at the end of the day, I've always been like a sit quietly kind of by myself kind of person. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think you are alone in that when it comes to a lot of artists <laughs> in various mediums yeah. that kind of need that uh, recharge and that refuel where yeah. you just kind of need to be with your sketchbook or with, you know, your camera, you know, whatever it might be. And that is the way that you recharge yourself to create that next piece of art. Yeah, that's why film school is like a little bit difficult for me because uh Filmmaking is an inherently collaborative process, especially mm -hmm. if you're working on narratives or, you know, documentaries and you have to, you know, you know, be mindful of other people's time. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to, you know, even in in, in filmmaking alone with the multiple types of medium or multiple types of genres that you might try to that I might try to construct, it, it always requires just a slightly different process. I think always, though, I really value the time where I can just um, spend the time crafting. But mm -hmm. illustrating is something still new to me, so I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, I feel like I've, I've only been in the world of, of kid lit since like May, April last year, 2016. <laughs> right. So uh, I'm still figuring it out. Which, I mean, part of, yeah, it is all part of the the process. Now, of course, speaking of, you know, kid lit, uh, the new book, Little Leaders, Bold Women in Black History, uh, which is coming out in just a couple days. So you feature 40, you know, black women in history with these huge, you know, uh, two-page spreads. And then at the end of the book, you have some, you know, smaller ones that you, you know, included. Mm-hmm. During that whole process, who would you say was one person that you kind of really enjoyed digging into and finding out more about and working on that illustration? Um, let's see. Well, I really love, I've told this story a couple of times now, I really love making, when I made the, I, I hadn't expected this, the connection between Mae Jemison and Nichelle Nichols, who are both in the book. Absolutely. Mae Jemison, being the, the first black woman in space, was inspired to apply to the NASA program uh, after seeing Nichelle Nichols play Lieutenant O'Hara on the Star Trek series. Mm -hmm. And and then reading her, like, that's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, that is just exactly why representation matters, right? But then in, when you go read Nichelle, Nichelle Nichols' story, you find out that um, you know, that show was airing right at the height of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a, a racially diverse cast and it was airing on primetime television and they were getting a lot of flack. People were writing into the show complaining about this, this, you know, mixed race cast on television and the producers responded by cutting her lines and pushing her back to the, you know, back into the background and her, she came from the world of stage and theater. She loved dancing and performing. And so she was considering like, you know, I don't love television. You know, I might go back to working on stage. And it was a chance encounter in an NAACP event where she met Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. who said, I am a Trekkie and I love what you're doing. You have to stay on this show. And it just, it means so much. Like that connection is just so beautiful to me. But there was this moment when I'm reading each one of the women's stories that I just felt like overwhelmed with like kind of the passion and the beauty behind their stories. So I think that if I didn't feel that, I didn't 
include that person's story in the book. Okay. Um, so each one of them has this really special thing that I felt like I connected to. So um, that was one of my favorite connections I made. But every every one of them, you know, had this kind of surprising thing that I hadn't realized was a part of their story or just hadn't considered it in that way before. So I hope that that's something that people can connect to. Yeah, Dr. Mae Jameson is a huge uh, inspiration for me. She was kind of my my first geek crush because mm. uh, reading reading through books as a kid and seeing that she you know was the first you know African American woman in space that was incredible. And then growing up as a Trekkie, seeing her on an episode of Star Trek: The Next yeah. Generation where she was a transporter engineer <laughs> just blew my mind. Yeah. So she was absolutely. I mean, that was great. That not only is she featured inside, but she is also on the cover of the book. Yeah. So that was just really great. As you're going through this selection process, what were some of those things that you really wanted to highlight? And what were those stories that you were mainly looking to showcase in this book? Um, for a lot of them, the original idea behind the, the Instagram uh, project was that I wanted to highlight the stories of women in black mm -hmm. history. So I created I created my own challenge. There are these challenges that artists will do on Instagram or, you know, on other social media platforms. You know, there's Mermaid where you draw a mermaid right. for every day of the month of May or Inktober where you draw in ink for the month of October. So I just wanted to create something that was a challenge for myself. And so for Black History Month, I decided to draw a woman, a black woman, and kind of post a short bio about her every day for the month of February. And the very first one that I started um, was Sojourner Truth. And I had, heard, you know, I had known kind of the surface level story about Sojourner Truth and, you know, her role as an activist and abolitionist and women's rights activist. But this story about, um, about her family, she was, uh, in in the eighteen late in the eighteen twenties, there they were rolling out um, emancipation through the state of New York, and mm -hmm. um, she had been promised her freedom by her slave owner um, because it was eventually coming. But uh, later, when he realized he could sell off his slaves to to uh, uh, plantations in the South, he reneged on his deal, and so. She decided to run away, but it came at this huge cost. She had to leave her little boy behind. He was only five years old, and she, he got sold to a plantation in Alabama, which is like over a thousand miles away Jeez. from upstate New York. Mm -hmm. And you know that alone, that just brought me to tears. Like I, I don't know how I would get without a car, without any mm -hmm. uh, allies, without any support in 2017 right now from here to Alabama. How would I get there? Now imagine just because of who you are, being a woman, being a woman, being a person of color, everything about your own being puts you in this position of, of inferiority and no access to power mm -hmm. in 1827. And it's just so incredibly terrifying to know or to, you know, to try to feel like what it would feel like to know that your little boy had been taken away and how are you going to get him back? And amazingly, she filed a case against him and got her son back. Mm -hmm. And that, like, here I am. This was February 1st, 2016. Um, 
like at four o'clock in the morning, I was going to post this drawing and I'm just weeping like, holy cow, this is so powerful mm. and so amazing. And so it was that feeling of like, oh my God, there's so much to these women's stories that are so important and so powerful that I, I know that this, this project is really, is going to be really important for me. So mm -hmm. it was this kind of magical moment in, in finding, you know, a, a part of, of any one of these women's biographies that I wanted to kind of hold on to and and really push throughout the book. So I can't say exactly what it is. It's just this feeling that I felt that I guess where I'm really kind of empathizing with their story. Um, mm -hmm. So there were there were lots of people who could have made it into the book. Um, the initial goal was to highlight perhaps the stories you hadn't heard too often during mm -hmm. Black History Month. And then, you know, at, after I, it became, after we got the book deal and, you know, there was an opportunity to add more, I wanted to focus on um, not-so-famous stories. And then if it was someone famous, I wanted to focus on some of the parts of their stories that you don't hear too often. Um, I, there was, I feel like that one of the last people to make it into the book with Oprah and I was a little bit hesitant because Oprah is Oprah and everyone knows who right. she is. Um, but I really wanted to focus on, on, you know, in her, in her case, the empathy that she felt for people. It mm -hmm. was so powerful. Um, so it's, I feel like there's at least now a really good mixture of very famous figures and then less famous figures, but they all have this really kind of beautiful human uh, element to their biography. Yeah, for sure. When it comes to the social media aspect that you kind of mentioned, you know, with Inktober, and that was kind of your start. The start of this whole process was on Instagram, you know, by giving yourself that challenge for, okay, for Black History Month, I'm going to start this thing, just kind of get those creative juices rolling, not knowing kind of that it would turn into this amazing book that is going to be published and all of these things. What do you think the role of social media kind of plays for artists such as yourself and others? Yeah, it's incredible. I I feel like I, I owe my whole career to Instagram because... Wow. No, it's, or, you know, at least to social media, not yeah, specifically sure. Instagram, but, you know, when I started drawing again, I was still in film school and I still had this idea that I wanted to get a job in the film industry and, you know, make it work um, to have this kind of day job going and then come home and work on uh, films and still go to film festivals and all that. And, and uh, I remember my mentor was like, if you get a job in the film industry, you're not going to have all that time. And I was like, no, 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 you don't know. <laughs> you haven't worked in the industry in a long time. And I got a job working on a TV show and we were working 10 hour days. And I was just so exhausted mm -hmm. at the end. I really had no, no drive to work on film work because that just requires a lot more time and, and yeah. you know, processing. Um, so drawing became this go-to thing that I had at the end of the day. And so it became this really, you know, satisfactory thing. I could start and finish a drawing within like an hour or two hours and post it to social media. And obviously mm. that's this kind of like, um, you know, instant gratification of having completed something, but it was this like a kind of process that I had. And my goal was to keep drawing because I didn't feel like I was very good. Um, so I just wanted this place to practice. And mm -hmm. even though I felt like I was kind of 
I was an amateur. I was working on this animated TV series, and you know, I'm working with professional animators all day, and mm-hmm. I, I did not want them to know that I was drawing at night. <laughs> so I kept it all kind of secret, or at least I had, I had my social media handles. They had different names at the time. Um, hmm. So it became this place where I could, this outlet for me. And eventually, I, I got laid off from that job, and um, I had to move back in with my parents. Um, and my only source of income was people would write to me through my Instagram account and ask for commissions. And my very first commission was followed very shortly by a second commission, and it just kept flowing hmm. and flowing and flowing. And after a while, it became, you know, it became my my only source of income. And that escalated to the point that I officially, I was still applying for other jobs at the time, but it escalated to the point that I was like, I think I can try to make this illustration thing work. So the thing about it was no one on social media thought of me as an amateur. They treated my work like I was a professional mm-hmm. and they they valued it. They wanted to pay me money to draw them. <laughs> like that's I mean that's amazing. People were so supportive. So yeah. I really, really value it. Without that I wouldn't have had this kind of um you know support, uh moral support to mm-hmm. to really feel confident enough to stop looking for other work and to try to make illustration uh, a thing. And so in April or April May, March 2016, I officially had stopped looking for other work. I officially moved in with my parents. I joined um, a children's literature organization, the SCBWI. That was sort of like the, all right, I'm finally biting the bullet. I'm really going to try to do this mm-hmm. illustration thing. And then within a month, I had a, an offer to illustrate a book. It was, be- wow. I don't think I would have had the confidence to do anything uh, you know, so big and so mm-hmm. bold without, you know, constant support from people. And, and, and people talk a lot about how social media affects us and, and the instant gratification of getting all these likes. But, you know, as an artist, it's a, there's a, it's this whole other community that I don't know if I would have had, I don't, I you know can't even imagine what it would have been like to try to, uh, even know how big of a leap it would be mm-hmm. to to follow an illustration career without it. So, um, and then and then fast forward to a year later, and I'm posting all these these uh, little leaders pictures on Instagram, and and to see the way people responded to it, it was like nothing else. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty good at judging the analytics of of my likes right. and and my expectations and it was it was after the first one that I was like oh my goodness people like this this, this is a thing really <laughs> this is a thing and you know i love that i'm i felt empowered to do more i felt excited to do more so it was um it's this amazing opportunity to feel connected to people and to find communities that uh that are largely just so supportive i don't i don't know how other people's experiences are but at at least with my followers specifically on instagram um the demographics say they're mostly women between ages 18 and 25 and or 18 and 35 and Mm -hmm. they're like the most supportive people so i really really value that i feel like very nervous about uh this about the fcc getting rid of net neutrality because i feel like this, Mm -hmm. this community that i feel so close to and and the 
the opportunities that I've had because of the internet, I feel so frightened that everything is just going to change. And, you know, I feel like these, these new rules are going to, you know, unfairly, uh, unfairly hit, you know, poor people, people of color, small businesses. Mm -hmm. And these are all of the things that I believe helped me, uh, make my career into something. So it's just really, really frustrating and terrifying to, to see that there's a chance that, uh, that the FCC will get rid of these. <laughs> do, do some craziness for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with that support, I mean, because I, I've been following you on social media for a while now and seeing the amount of support that you get, seeing the amount of people who it is interesting when I will get a tweet, you know, asking if I have seen this piece of art or someone will share it with me. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, I have been following her for a while. <laughs> so seeing that type of support network along social media has just been incredible. And you have already received a bunch of support for this book from, you know, some pretty big names like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Mindy Kaling, <laughs> Ava DuVernay. Once the book is is done and or not once the book is done, the book is done. Once the book mm -hmm. is available and you can have it in your hand, who is one person that you wish you could just give it to personally? Um, that's an interesting question. I feel like, I feel like this book is for lots of people, but mm -hmm. I feel, I honestly feel mostly excited to give it to little girls, like little girls mm -hmm. in my hometown. Um, it's an interesting thing. I felt like, Yeah, I don't know. I felt inspired to create this book for lots of different people. Um, but this this ties back to to when I started filmmaking that you know, things really, really clicked for me mentally and creatively when I started making films. Mm -hmm. And that happened when I was about 22 years old, eh, 20, 22. And I always wondered what would have happened if, I had access to film classes and, you know, more diverse art classes when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, I, that feeling, that idea that, you know, that scenario is just so wild to me. So I think about all of, it was a very conscious choice to include a, a filmmaker, a photographer, right. yeah. a scientist, a chemist, you know, an astronaut, you know, I tried to cover all the bases in this book. Um, because I want little girls, little children, I want them to know that there are opportunities out there. And, mm -hmm. you know, you know, a lot of people ask me, like, will you do a book for boys? And I, I my, my smart aleck answer is, well, this is a book for boys. But I understand, what, I understand what they're getting at. Um, to be able to see yourself in, in, in someone else's story can be so empowering. So I, I know that this book specifically for me means a lot to, to little girls. So I, as much as I would like love to give it to Oprah, I'd love to give it to Michelle Obama. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to give it to uh, Glenn Keane. Uh, I mm -hmm. think it'll do more power for the little girl down the street from my parents' house. So that's who I'd give it to. Fantastic. Uh, and then, Last couple of questions. So people have said before when it comes to learning languages that you really know a language when you dream in that language. 
So mm-hmm. it's you, when you dream, what medium is it? Do you think it is it more like a film? Do you see in illustrations? Is there a medium of art that you tend to dream in? Um, that is a very good question. I think that sometimes my dreams can be quite cinematic. I feel like I often dream that I'm watching other people's films and okay. I get really jealous and then I wake <laughs> up and I realize, no, that was my film. I created that. Let me write that down. <laughs> there were credits at the end and my name was on yeah. there. <laughs> Um, but other times I do get these kind of glimpses, like a, like a full illustration, just like a glimpse of it. And I try to hold on to that and I can never replicate it. Um, mm. I do. I think that it shifts, but mostly cinema. I think that for me that there's this power in in 24 frames per second in in the power of of you know, multiple images combined with one another. Um, even when I'm creating a picture book or, you know, writing the story for a picture book, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like Little Leaders, which is a nonfiction, um, I feel like for me, it's always cinema. I think about it in this kind of very narrative way. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and then lastly, because you have worked in, and continue to work in so many different mediums like film and production and illustration. What are the things that keep you motivated and that drive you? Um, the things that keep me motivated are honestly, uh, I get inspired by things all the time. And it feels like there's never enough time in the day to tell the stories that I want to tell, to create all the images that I want to create. So the thing that drives me is uh, to just like work really quickly on the things that are just the busy work so that I can have more time to create. Honestly, I hope that people, you know, I and it's very exciting to me when people respond to the things that I've created mm-hmm. and it feels like I'm creating them for an audience, but half the, most of the time I'm creating them for myself. And I love that when people, I love that people can connect to it. So uh, I guess that's the goal is to just be able to have more time to create things. Um, yeah, I mean, I I do have like have business drive. I want to see things grow. I want to see the little leaders become something. But I mostly just want to be able to tell more stories. They're just at that these images that come to me and then disappear as quickly like that is all day long. So I just want to uh, get them out and share them with people. Awesome. So thank you so much for, for making the time to, to do this. Uh, there will definitely be a link in the description so people can order the book. Right now it is in pre-order. Uh, it officially will start shipping out Wednesday the 6th, correct? Uh, Tuesday the 5th. So Tuesday the 5th. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. And then where can people find uh, you on all forms of social media and just get the most up-to-date information from you and just connect with you? Um, I think that, well, on social media, on like Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Vashti Harrison. Mm-hmm. I somehow missed the boat on Snapchat. So whatever the next Snapchat is, I'll be on there at, nice. at Vashti Harrison. Um, the most up-to-date updates. That's a good question. I'm not a very good cross-platform updater, um, okay. but I do try to I do try to get most important things on my website. There, if you have questions, there's a frequently asked questions page on my website, and if you have specific questions about little leaders, there's a 
a little leaders page with FAQ there. And there is a contact button on my Instagram and on my website where you can shoot me an email, ask me a question or send me your love letters. I don't know <laughs> anything. Once, pe once um, people get this book and they're actually able to, <laughs> to see it, I'm sure that there will be plenty of people reaching out just being, I mean, me personally, you know, being able to get an advanced copy and, and look through it. I just want to say thank you. I mean, for putting that representation out there, for putting out a book like this that shows from photographer to filmmaker to scientist to astronaut, you can do anything. And so, I mean, it gets used a lot, but that hashtag black girl magic is a real thing. More, especially girls of color, need to see that representation in multiple forms of media. So not just thank you for coming on the show, but thank you for creating this book that I really do believe is going to help a lot of people become those little leaders. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for such thoughtful questions. I'm glad you got a chance to look at the book. Yeah, it is great. I cannot wait to uh, order some for some people in my life. Yeah. I, I'm excited for them to actually get a chance to to get it as well. So I've been sitting down with Vashti Harrison, uh, the author and illustrator of Little Leaders, Bold Women in Black History. Thank you again, Vashti. Thank you so much, John. Thank you for listening to the About to Interview podcast, which is an About to Interview production. Make sure to click the subscribe button below, give a thumbs up, and check out the full show notes with links to the guests below, as well as on the website abouttoreview.com. Thank you to my amazing guests, and also thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio and video editing services for this podcast. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find all of their work at vexingmedia.com, as well as on Facebook and Twitter at Vexing Media. Make sure to follow the podcast on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About Treeview, and subscribe to the podcast About Treeview, which comes out every Wednesday.